Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the description given by Mark of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Well, in a Lutheran school, the head cook was rather worried because at the end of the line at lunch, they had these things of apples, this big basket of apples, and they were only supposed to take one apple, but kids were taking two, three, four, whatever they wanted. So finally she thought about it, and she put up a sign saying, take only one apple, God is watching. And it worked. The kids were starting to, to only take one. But then another cook, a couple days later, was making the cookies for dessert and realized that she had made a few too many, uh, a few extra. So she made up her own sign. She said, take what you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> we face temptations all the time. We're tempted constantly to, to follow our own way and our own desires. Today we're reminded that our Lord was tempted. And we're going to look at Mark's description, which is rather unique. Because there are elements of Mark's description that remind us of temptation that comes when you're alone and when you're in isolation. So we're going to take up that concept of being alone, of being isolated, and the temptations that we face. But in the end, what we're going to see is the Lord is victorious. In the face of Satan, he is able to do what no one else could. He went against Satan and one. Again, when we come to Mark's gospel, it's always rather different than the others. It's, it's always kind of streamlined, simple and straightforward. And, and as you hear the simple elements of it, again, as I said, there, there are elements of isolation. Jesus is baptized, and then we're told that immediately he is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And that concept of driven could also be translated cast out, thrown out. It's almost like the Holy Spirit hurls him into the wilderness on his own to face Satan. And it also sounds isolated being in the wilderness, doesn't it? And then on top of that, he speaks about the wild animals that are present. It very clearly seems to be Mark is describing that, that Jesus must face Satan alone. On his own. Isolated from anyone else. And as I looked at that this week, I thought about how often don't we feel isolated and alone? We don't live in the wilderness. We don't, all of us don't live apart from people, really. Some do. But don't people in our society today feel isolated and alone? Which is rather ironic. Because we have more access to people like no other time in history. With the phone and social media, it seems like we have people all around. It seems like you'd have to intentionally try to get away from people. And yet the studies say, never in our history have people felt more alone. It's kind of a reminder that, that isolation and that loneliness isn't necessarily about who's around, but about a feeling of, of being cared for and being understood. People can feel absolutely all alone in the middle of a crowd. And yet, we also can feel alone. And again, the problem is that, that, that feeling of isolation. And not only can we feel isolation generally, but there are certain situations that make us feel more isolated, right? When you're ill or sick, don't you feel all alone? 
especially if it's a chronic disease that you're dealing with constantly, when you're going through a difficult time, maybe it's a financial problem, maybe it's a personal problem, maybe it's a problem at work, maybe it's a struggle with family, whatever that is, don't you feel isolated and alone? And when we think about those times of being alone, isn't that when it seems even more easy to fall into sin and temptation? When there aren't other people around? And doesn't that even compound the problem? That, that when we fail, when we don't live the way that we intend, we don't do or act or think the way that we know, we feel even more isolated. And so I think it's interesting that we see Jesus with these elements of isolation facing Satan on his own. He is tempted when it's just him and Satan one on one. But keep in mind when we see this picture that our Lord is actually coming to put an end to isolation. The Lord intends us, designed us, has built us to be with others. That goes all the way back to Genesis where we are told in in, in Genesis that it's not good for man to be alone. God has created us to be in community, to be with one another. And yet there's an irony here when we look at Jesus in the wilderness is that he has isolated himself to put an end to isolation. He had to face Satan alone. He had to be the one because only he could face Satan and defeat him on our behalf. He had to allow himself to be tempted, to stand against the temptation that Satan would give so that he could defeat Satan. And in taking that temptation, in facing that temptation, in conquering that temptation, he was able to go to the cross for us. But if you think about it, here we are at the beginning of Lent, and we think about what will happen at the end of Lent, it's another place of isolation. As you see Jesus journeying to the cross, we see lots of crowds and people coming around him. But you'll notice if you read through the Gospels, eventually those crowds start to disappear. There are fewer and fewer people following him. And as he gets close to the cross, even his disciples desert him. And then on the cross, he's by himself. And on the cross, the Father forsakes him. The ultimate isolation that is a payment for sin. And it's because he took the temptation, because he placed himself under the law, because he did what we could not do, he's able to take that penalty so that we would be forgiven so we would never, ever, ever be alone. Because our Lord has indeed intended us not to be by ourselves and promised us that we would never be alone. You see, even if we go back over the text for today, at first when I read through it, I saw all these things about elements of isolation, but then I realized it's not complete isolation. You're here seeing him thrown in by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, That he's there with the wild beasts. And then, Mark tells us, and angels were ministering to him. Not as isolated as I I first thought. And even the idea of the Holy Spirit driving him, throwing him, casting him into the wilderness is a reminder that that it's part of the plan. That he came to go toe-to-toe with Satan so that he could conquer Satan, so he could win salvation for us. And even the idea of wilderness is he's reliving what happened with the people of Israel. They were tested in the wilderness, right? As they made their journey to the promised land. And Christ was doing what Israel could not do and what you and I could not do. 
go through that period of testing and come out victorious. It allowed himself to place himself under the law so that he could take the penalty that we deserved. And as we look at this, we see completely that our Lord was coming to restore creation as it was originally intended. To back to the Garden of Eden where, where Adam and Eve were in relationship with one another and they had a perfect relationship with God. To restore all of these relationships, to put an end to, to isolation and being alone. Again, keep in mind, our feelings of loneliness, our feelings of isolation are based exactly on that, on feelings. On what we think we are experiencing and the problem with our feelings is that they're corrupted by sin. Our heart is corrupted. Our mind is corrupted. Our feelings are corrupted. But God has made it a promise to you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so when your corrupted heart and your corrupted mind wants you to doubt those promises, you cling back to them. Turn back to them and be reminded the truth of what God has spoken to you. The truth of what the Lord has done for you. The Lord loves you, will never desert you, will never, uh, will never leave you. He endured everything to overcome that separation that sin has brought. And keep in mind, part of our isolation is we sometimes feel like no one understands. Today is, to me, one of those beautiful texts, or one of the beautiful days, because it's always the temptation on the first Sunday of Lent, the Lord has gone through everything that you have gone through. There's no human experience, no temptation, no struggle that he did not go through. And so when you go through it, you have one who does understand. You have one that you can turn to that knows exactly what you are experiencing. And greater than just knowing what it's like, he's conquered it. He's the victor over it. We turn to him in those times where we are lonely, when we are alone, when we are isolated, and understand he is with us. He is there. And, and keep in mind, the Lord has provided people in your life so that you're not alone. We're born into a family which is a gift from God. We're baptized into a church which is the family of God. We're given a community to, to live in and among and neighbors. Now keep in mind, these communities are not perfect because they're made up of people like you and me, imperfect people. That they don't always work the way that we want them to. But always keep in mind, the Lord has placed them there, placed you there, so that we can support one another. We can help one another. We can love one another. We give thanks for the people that God has given us and we give thanks for the opportunity that we have to be there for others. To reach out in kindness and love. To, to strengthen and encourage. To help. Again, as we look at our Lord today, we are reminded that we will face temptations. We, we will at times feel isolated. But we cling to the promises of our Lord. He will never desert us. He will never forsake us. Keep in mind, he took on flesh to be with us. He, he went to the cross so that he could be with you. He rose from the dead so that not only would you, he be with you today, but you would be with him eternally. All that the Lord has done and directed is so that he can be with you and you can be with him now and forever. That's the love that our Lord has for you. Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.